0: you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter uh, 3, we're going to look at several things here this morning, and we're dealing with the consequences of uh, disobeying God's commands, and this is what we've been going through the last uh, few weeks in our study on the commands of God, now we're not going necessarily through all of God's commands, because we would uh, that would be a very long series, but that's a, it's also a good study as well. But I wanted to just kind of look at the verses that deal specifically uh, with the word command in it. So that's kind of given an overview of some ideas on that. When we see this idea of reaping the consequences of your love. And uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about God in society and and even within churches. Uh, And even, you know, and I'm still we're all learning. We're all none of us have arrived. We're all learning and growing in the Lord. But we have to understand that when I transgress or trespass the commands that God has given, there are consequences. There's a justice with God. There is grace, I understand, and I'm so thankful for God's grace. None of us could approach to God without the grace and the mercy of God. None of us could come to the cross but by the grace of God. We understand that. But this morning as we look at this, I want us to begin to think about if I'm living my life in a way that is in contradiction with holiness and purity, then there will be consequences that I don't like. That's what I want to speak about this morning, and I trust that as I do this, I would, my heart is desire, and even in my own heart as I've been thinking about this, I said, Lord, there are so many areas in my life, wow, I need to work on. I haven't arrived, I'm working, and I said, God, I just want to be your vessel, fully poured out for your honor and your glory. And I trust that would be the heart of all of us. We come to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, Satan has been tempting Eve, and uh, there's something that happens, and when you reap the consequences of your love, if you love the Lord, you'll have God's presence with you. Doesn't say that life's going to be easy doesn't say you're not going to have opposition. But there will be the presence of God. There's also an ulterior to that, a contrast, wherein if I live my life for myself and my own personal love and lusts, then there will be consequences of that. There is consequences to which you love. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. we find here something happened. There is a fear, overwhelming fear, when they live for their lusts. Robert Murray McShane, a preacher of yesteryear, he said, In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses, so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. End quotes. If your emotions and your foundations, for right and wrong, if your emotions are your foundation for right and wrong, then my emotional foundation will most likely be a little bit different than your foundation. If we live by our emotions, well, I feel this is okay. Well, I feel this is okay. What is the foundation? What is the absolute truth? Gravity is truth. You can deny it all day long, but you're, you're going to jump from a tall building, or some tall structure, or a tree, or whatever, and gravity will bring you to the ground. Unless you have something else to counteract the force of your body to push you upwards, like a jet, or something else. The fact is, if we all live by our emotions, we have different, and we have foundations that are moving. It's not good to have a moving foundation on any structure. But if God's commands are the standards, then my passions, my emotions are not the moving standard. My emotions go like this, and so do yours. My, some days I'm feeling, I'm just like, man, I can conquer the world. Other days I'm kind of like, ah, you know, and, and those happen from day to day. We're human. But if God's standard is that which I'm evaluated upon, then all of us have an equality before God. None of us are better or worse than any others. It's the standard of God. If we violate God's standard by loving something other than God, then we reap the consequences of a misappropriated love. And I want to show us something here. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, I've got a little bit of length here on my introduction. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And we live in those days. Everyone does right in their own eyes. I mean, the news media, it's basically whoever can uh, cry, you know, cry the loudest and speak the loudest, the media says, well, they're the majority, let's go with them. And oftentimes that loudest crowd is going a direction that is in direct opposition to God. Now, we, said it, we see something here. So it's a good summary of the day and age which we live. There is an opposition to God. And as a result, we are seeing consequences in society. I mean, there is a, uh, the whole idea of this, I mean, there's a tremendous depression, uh, addictions, and all sorts of family problems, and I mean, there are great and grievous problems in our society today. Because every man does that which is right in his own eyes. There is no standard of thus saith the Lord. In Psalm 68, 5 and 6, a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widow is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families, he bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So the Bible tells us that if you are rebellious, you will dry, you will exist in a place of dryness of your soul. You will be like, where is the satisfaction of life? In Psalm 66, 18. It says, if I, I want you to look with me here Psalm 66, 18. This is a verse that is many times neglected and overlooked within many... We like the idea of Jesus coming to heal our sorrows, and he does. But, God has given us commands, and it is throughout Scripture, we'll learn today, that if I reject God, there are consequences. If not only The rejection of God, in fact, is to not put God in his rightful place of supremacy. And that is easy to do theologically, it's easy to do in our head, but it's hard to do practically when hard times come upon you and you say, I'm going to solve the problem myself and my own thinking. Because I'm living according to my philosophy and my knowledge rather than going to the king of all knowledge and asking him for what I should do. In Psalm sixty-six eighteen, 18, the Bible tells us, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Here's the truth. If I, that word, if I regard there, I looked it up in the Hebrew. I said, I want to know what that is. That word regard is if I see or I look or I inspect any iniquity, any sin in my life, and I'm not willing to rectify it or correct that action that is wrong in my life. God's saying, I won't hear your prayers. That's a fearful place to be. And we have this idea that we can always approach God and he always hears our prayers. He does, but if you know there's sin in your life and you don't correct it, and you continue to live in sin, you will not have God answering. He'll say, listen, I'm not hearing you. You've got to deal with the sin. If you know you're living in sin, whether you're living in bitterness, whether you're living in anger, rebellion, sex outside of marriage, any other act of fornication, pornography, violence, unethical work practices, etc., God says, I won't hear you. Do you feel as though God is not answering your prayers and you feel distant from Him? You realize this very thing and this emotional disposition of God, and I've had... Uh, in the past, several things where there's, uh, there's a society that re tries to make God fit into their little box. We find something so common in society in Genesis chapter 2, 23 and 24. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The Bible tells us in this idea. You know, Jesus would say, if you look on a woman, I mean, this whole idea of pornography industry is an absolute assault on the purity that God expects of us. Because as you think about purity, one of the aspects of purity is the sexual union of a husband and a wife. The Bible tells us, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own soul. That's why in 1 Corinthians 7, 8 and 9, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows is good for them if they abide even as I. Paul wasn't married. But if they cannot contain, saying, listen, there is a strong desire for intimacy, he says, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn, that burning, there is a desire for marital union. So do we want this idea of this purity and the commands of God? If we violate this, there are consequences that we suffer following God's commands or man's desires. There was a squadron of men in Southeast Asia who got involved in every form of wickedness possible. Every time they had leave, which is where they went on kind of like some time off, they would go to the bars and houses of prostitution. One man said, I have a girl back home. I love her. I'm going to save myself for her. The men became filled with diseases except for this one man. When he saw his bride-to-be, he was glad he had been faithful. One day soon... Well, Mary Jesus, keep yourself pure and unspotted. And I understand we all have things in our past. God doesn't judge us by the things in our past if I make it right before Him. Now, there's consequences, but our obligation is we must love God by our obedience and or fear His true and perfect justice. This fear of God. How many of you, when you're driving down the road, you're fearful? <gasps> I hope someone doesn't see me. I'm going to get in big trouble. You don't fear. Because you're not infringing on any rules that you're breaking. But it's this fear of God, we've got to get back to the fact that I want to please God rather than I want to, oh, I hope God doesn't judge me. Ah. You know, it's a whole lot better to, you know, my daughter when we're, when we're working in the last few days I had her with me by myself as my wife was away at the ladies retreat and and uh, it was an experience, I have to say, learning and, and uh, being around her much more than normal. And it was good. Yeah, it was a good learning experience. We had some fun. But it's a whole lot better when she's like, Daddy, is that good? And I said, oh man, you did a great job. I'm proud of you. Rather than, you need to stop that course of action or you're going to get a timeout. That's a whole lot better place to be. And God has, he says, listen, if I'm led by my emotions and what I think is right, rather than by what God says, I want to tell you something. We think, oh, God has all these rules. No, my friend, there is a loving Father. He sets boundaries because he says, listen, it's a whole lot better to be inside the walls of protection than it is trying to protect yourself. As we live on this very thing, there is consequences for being emotionally led. That was my introduction. I just want to pray and ask the Lord as we look a little further on this very thing. Look at some of the instances in Scripture. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that in a trite fashion. But I want to know Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. But if I don't understand that if I have sin in my life and I know it's there and I'm not willing to make it right with God, then you better step back and you're going to be like Adam and Eve and you're going to be fearful. God, please. I don't want to see God. Because when he sees me, he's going to bring out the sin in my life. And you know what God wants to hear? He wants to to hear from his child, his son, his daughter. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm willing to make it right. And then as those arms are outstretched, he grabs you in his arms and he embraces you with a huge hug. I forgive you. We've got to stop living our lives, being led by our emotions... Being led by what I think, and instead be led by what God says. Let's pray. Father, I just yield today to Thee in this message. Father, as we continue any further, Lord, I pray that You comfort hearts. Guide us and keep us. Help us to be found faithful. I love You. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I've spoken about being consequences of emotional actions, a shame for reproachful living, a shame for hurtful actions. I've also spoken about refusing God's actions results in harsher punishment and a generational curse of judgment for idolatry. But there's something else that happens that when someone is emotionally led, they will many times rebel against the Lord and they will rebel against his leaders. When someone begins to get offended by the truths of God's word, many times they'll say, I don't want that preacher, I don't want that church, because they are, and then you you list it out. And rather than deal with the sin, they try to run from the accountability that God is trying to work in their heart. Do you realize this, that Korah, there's a man in the Bible named Korah, and he had 250 men that followed him. And they murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And they said, Moses, you've killed the people. And it would end up happening that God would consume Korah and his cohorts of doom into death. People would side with those who judge rather than God's leaders. They would leave the Lord and the Lord's instructions in Deuteronomy 31-29. Moses' fear says, for I know, know that after my death, You will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Moses is saying, I am concerned that you're only following me and you're not following the Lord. I'm concerned that you guys are going to go astray. God would say in 2 Kings 17, Verse 13, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets, by all the seers. That's, again, these like prophets saying, turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes. The, the thing is, is if I go against what God is saying, and, and sometimes God will bring a believer, God brings someone else into our life, and sometimes God brings those who very well may be an enemy to try to bring up some points in our life that God wants us to say, listen, wake up, wake up. You're going the wrong direction. Friend, we're not listening to Jewish we're not listening to fables and commandments of men. Titus chapter 1 talks about that. There's a defilement. Now the question is, what if a leader, even a godly leader, if he begins to lead in emotionalism rather than in godliness? Is there any protection, should I, if I begin to go into emotionalism rather than into godliness, is there any protection to me? And to that answer, I say no. If I become ungodly, I suffer God's consequences. By virtue of my position, it doesn't give me somehow a get-out-of-jail-free card. I am as accountable to God as you are, and if not, sometimes more accountable according to Hebrews 13. You realize this, that Moses, prevented, Moses was prevented from coming to the promised land because on the second time that Israel was saying, where's the water in the desert? In Numbers chapter 27, 14, for you rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin and the strife of the congregation to sanctify me at the water before their eyes. God says, listen, Moses, you got angry with the people and you struck that rock. And Moses, you're not going to the promised land. I don't care that you're the leader of Israel. I don't care you saw all the miracles. I don't care that you uh, did the ten plagues and your, your uh, staff turned to a snake. I don't care. You're not above reproach. You better hold yourself accountable. I better hold myself accountable. And so should you. You realize this? In Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, Eli's sons, would offer strange fire before the Lord. They would sleep with the women that were coming into the sanctuary in an awful way, and God devoured them with fire, and they died. There were prophets who would speak in God's name, and what they would speak would not come to pass. Or they would speak in the name of other gods, and the Bible tells Israel that prophet shall die. Eli, the priest, was removed for not dealing with his sons. God told Eli, he says, you honor us. It says, 1 Samuel 2.29 at the end of it. Honor us thy sons above me to make yourselves fat, with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel my people. Nadab and Abihu were Aaron's sons. I don't know if I said Eli, but they're Aaron's sons. Excuse me, correct that. But Eli, his sons were getting extra things from the people coming to the sanctuary. Oh, you need to give God this. So they would take, oh, that sounds good. Well, ah, that's a really good stake. Let's take that. You know, And they were doing all this other stuff. And God says, Eli, I'm going to remove you. Saul was removed from being king over Israel. They, some of the leaders would go after idols and women like Solomon. One prophet would go to Jeroboam, God told this young prophet, go to Jeroboam, I want you to tell him, turn from your idols. And so he goes to Jeroboam, Jeroboam gets angry, wants to hurt him, this young man speaks to him, Jeroboam's hands turn leprous, he says, put your hands back in your pocket, Jeroboam does it, he brings them back out, they clear up. I mean, God did a miracle through this young man. But God says, when you go home, don't stop anywhere, go straight home. An old prophet, an old preacher comes to him and says, young prophet, this is, you can find this here in 1 Kings chapter 13. The, young, the old prophet comes to the young man and he says, oh, God told me in a dream, you need to come and eat with me. young prophet says, okay, I'll do that. While he's there eating with the old prophet, God says, listen, today you're going to die and you're not going to sleep with your fathers. In fact, God condemns him, but came us back and has eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come into the sepulcher of thy fathers. God says, listen, young man, you disobeyed what I said. If we go against the commandments of God, there will be consequences. I don't know if you had a parent growing up or maybe a teacher or someone in school that just, I mean, you knew when they said what they said, they meant what they said and there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, it was clear. Whatever it was said, Jeroboam would be cursed for not walking in David's steps. It doesn't matter that I'm a leader. God will come after me. If I don't live my life And purity and holiness. And when sin is is in my life, if I don't deal with it, God says, listen, I'm not going to hear you, and there's consequences. You realize also something else that happens if you live emotionally, there's a loss of God's promised rewards. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 27. We like the promises of God. I know this may not be the most encouraging message, and probably not next week, but the following week, I want to talk about the blessings of following God. My friend, when you, you know if you go into a bank vault, let me give you an illustration. If you go into a bank vault, and they have this huge, I remember my mom used to work at a bank, and they had this huge bank door. I mean, this massive door. I mean, it was thick. I don't even know how thick it was. It might not have been that thick, but it was thick. And it had a combo lock on it. If there's any other combination, to open that door is only one. To open that door. And my friend, I've got the combination through the word of God into the blessings and promises of God. One for eternal life if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And beyond that, I have his of his condition, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, as you find there in Hebrews. But the condition is not living your life by covetousness, being happy with what God's given to you. The combination, there's only one combination into that vault. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe you know more. But anyways, I'm just saying, by and large, there's a combination. We have the combo of how to get to the heart of God. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 27. Verse 26, let me give you context here. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which ye have not known. God says, listen, here's conditions. Realize this, that Israel was refused Canaan land, or fear of giants. And You know what? We fear people more than we fear God. I fear people and what they think of me and what they can do to me more than I just say, God, I want to get into the bosom of your rest. I want to rest in your embrace. And you know how you do that? When there's sin in your life, you say, God, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'll do right. Lord, I want to be close to you. Deuteronomy chapter 1, we think, I want you to look with me, Deuteronomy one thirty-five. it's a very, very sad thing, because a nation of people that looked at the giants, they looked at the warfare. They looked at everything, at how big it was and how small they were. Their eyesight was only horizontal. In Deuteronomy one thirty-five and 36, it says, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and then Joshua as well, we'll find later on. And to him will I give the land that he trodden, that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly what? Followed the Lord. Does it matter that I follow the Lord? Does it matter that I make Christ first in my life? I will give an emphatic. Not I, but the Bible says yes. Yes, it does. Look with me at Deuteronomy 9.23. You know what? We try to get God to work for us. I try to manipulate God, find the loopholes. I mean, that was something when I was younger, I would try to find, my parents had a lot of fighting between them and, and I knew which parent I could ask. For whatever the obligation or event, or if I needed money, I'd ask this person. If I needed this, I'd ask this parent. and, And I knew how to pit them against one another. It was not a good thing. But mom and dad had a lot of fighting between the two of them, and because of that discord between mom and dad, they weren't united, and I took advantage of that. And I'm not bragging, but I'm saying that when we're not united with God, Satan gets in there and he causes greater discord and problems in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 23, Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Moses sends twelve spies into Canaan. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad, and two were good. Right, The kids' song, maybe you've heard that. What do you think they saw in Cain? And ten were bad, and two were good. Some, you know, some saw giants, big and strong. Some saw grapes in clusters, long. I mean, the whole song goes forth. I'm horrible at repeating all the songs, all the words of a song. I'm very bad at so. Oftentimes, I remember the melody, but I don't remember the words, so I'll make up my own words to the melody. Anyways, we're not doing that. But the fact is, God says, "Listen, I've given you all of this. Was it easy to go into the Promised Land? No. Was it?" Impossible? Yes, it was. You have a nation of people that have left Egypt. They're not warrior people. God says, I'm going to give you that. Uh What? That's impossible, God. I mean, look at all of us. We're a bunch of farmers. We're a bunch of nomads. I mean, we're coming against Jericho. God says, listen, I'm going to show you a miracle. And so often I say, well, okay, God's going to work this way. Okay, Lord, I'll I'll do this. You do this, and it's going to work. It's going to be a great plan. God, are you on board? He said, "This is it. the Lord." He said, "Here's what I tell you: I want you to follow me." You want to know something else that happens? You lose God's protection despite prayers of confession. A volunteer fire department in Arkansas drew criticism for letting a house burn down. I'm reading in quotes here from a. A book called Enough is Enough by John Westfall. I don't know anything about it other than the quote. It seems the owner hadn't paid a $20 annual fee for firefighting service. Because of the firefighters' inaction, two adjacent furniture shops also were destroyed. A resident behind the shops did pay the fee while the fire was burning. His house was spared. The fire chief told reporters, once your house is on fire, you can't join. But if you're a neighbor to some property that's on fire, you can join. When a house would burn down, firefighters would simply stand by to see that the blaze didn't spread to the homes of people who had paid the $20 fee. Many of us act in just the same way. The punishment for our poor sewership is always loss. Yet once we start the loss, we start trying to make it up to God. Marriage, staying home from church until the storms start rising. Children, making church a priority once they start uh, rebelling. Finances, start promising to give once it's gone. A job, build a conviction about tithing when you get the pink slip car breaks down is possessed, repossessed, then we repent of where we were taking it. We cause the fire and then we expect God to put the fire out. When the cows catches on fire, that is not the time to start paying the firefighting fee. You need to start working on your relationship with God now. I want you to look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 7. God tells us how to get to his heart. Christianity is not about a whole bunch of do's and don'ts, but it is, God says, listen, here's how you get to know me. You know what, I talk with my wife. There's things I know she likes. There's things I know she doesn't like. And we talk a lot. And God talks to us through his word. His spirit works in us as well. But his spirit, as he's speaking to us, it'll never, contra- you know, it'll never contradict God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, as you think about this, the commands of God, God says, listen, I want to bless you. I want to give you the promised land. I want to help you. Now, as I'm talking about the promised land and the blessings, I'm not saying God's necessarily going to make you healthy. He's not going to necessarily make you wealthy. He's not going to necessarily make you wise. But he does promise you, I'll be with you no matter what. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible tells us, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God saying, listen, if you love me, you'll you'll obey. And repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. There were lasting consequences of Israel rebelling against the Lord. They would wander in the desert for 40 more years. Deuteronomy chapter 1, obstinance. Israel said, after they realized, God says, you're not entering the promised land. Oh God, please, we'll follow. God says, consequences are there. We miss out on the blessings of God. We miss out on the closeness of His affection so often. Because I'm trying to live life my own way, under my own rules. Do you realize in 1 Samuel 15, when Saul was told that you will no longer be king because you failed to kill the Amalekites in Agag. He comes to Samuel and he says, I pray thee, pardon my sin, 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel would say, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. It could very well be, if I as a pastor was to sin, that I could be disqualified myself from being a pastor. Yes, I could be restored to fellowship with God, but I would lose the ability to be qualified to be a pastor. I could lose that if I went into certain sins. The Bible gives us the qualifications for a pastor. I could repent all day long, but there's still consequences for my actions. You realize that sometimes if I live my life for myself, God's curses on me will also affect others. You know, if I was to sin, I would affect you. Because you're like, wow, I didn't know that pastor did that. My testimony, it matters. Your testimony matters to your children. Do you realize when David would number Israel, he said, I want to do a census. I want to see how many people were here. 70,000 people were killed in Israel for the pride of David. We have to fear the fact that there is a holy God and I need to do things His way and if I do it to please Him, it's a whole lot better to please Him than it is on the backside saying, God, please stop the judgment. Achan's sin would spell the death of his family. It would spell the death of 36 men and women there in Israel. Jeroboam's idolatry would yield to no mercy. The ten tribes of Israel, there was great destruction and death. There was a loss of peace. Does it really matter? We can worship God however we want. That is false. He is a holy God. As I spoke about several weeks ago, God's given God gave very specific directions for how to worship Him at the tabernacle, how to do at the temple, and He's also done it here for churches. You want to know something else that happens? When you are being led by emotions, you'll seek to destroy godly opponents. Oh, that goody two-shoe, that Bible thumper, whatever. Oh, I can't stand them. They're just talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to get even with them. What happened when John the Baptist told you know, the political ruler, stop sleeping with your brother's wife? He had his head cut off. What happened when Stephen started preaching against the religious rulers? They stoned him to death. Haman, there in the book of Esther, he saw, uh, the, the king, Artaxerxes, and Haman went to him and had permission to kill all the Jews because one man, Mordecai, wouldn't bow and give him service. Thankfully, God intervened and saved the Jews, and hence we have, they have the uh, festival of Purim today. How about the reaction to Paul and Silas, who were thrown into prison, their clothes rent off, and commanded to be beaten? Or how about 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9? You seek to destroy those who could ruin your reputation before men. Is there not a lot of politicians today, and there are several politicians, that there are some people that have some dirty baggage on these politicians and somehow these individuals just seem to disappear? Because these people have damaging truth that would hurt the reputation before others. So they say, well, I've got to get rid of them because they're going to tell the truth. You know, in the first place, if you live holy, you don't ever have to worry about that baggage. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, David and Bathsheba, wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. God says, David? David. You wanted Uriah to go home, have relations with his wife, so that it would cover the sin that she's pregnant with your baby. And when he didn't comply, <laughs> off goes his head. He was dead. No, he didn't, I mean, he didn't have his head cut off, but he was killed in battle. Does it really matter that I follow God? And I think it ought to be in our hearts and our minds, we ought to say, yes, Lord. God, if there's any sin in my life, I want to make it right. Because my sin doesn't only affect me, it affects others. Ask the examples that I've given to you. Ask Saul whether it affected his family and all of his children. Many would lose their lives. A sin that we commit now, it has consequences now, but it also has an effect on other people. And we don't know how far that sin will go. We don't know how far the consequences will go. Because think about this, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. 10 men came back, they, they discouraged nearly an entire nation, they children and many of them would not see their grandparents live longer than what they probably should have because of a failure to trust God. Does it matter that I obey God and I love him? And I will say yes, yes, yes all day long. In conclusion, after decades of service to his country in both war and peace, George Washington completed his second term as president. In his farewell address to the nation he wrote of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. End quotes. Continuing on. The United States was never a Christian nation in the sense that everyone was a believer. But there is no question that strong Christian principles guided the foundations of their government. As we see that changing before our eyes and in our own country here. As the government begins to punish good and promote evil, and has done so for a long time, it is more important than ever that we do what we can to influence the shape of our society. While we have the right and the duty to be involved in the government as citizens, the ultimate solution to these problems can only be found in the spiritual arena. You don't change the heart. You don't change a nation. We've got to get people, we as believers, if God's churches, which are the pillar and the ground of the truth, if we can't live purely, what makes us think the world's going to want what we got? If I can't just obey God, why would I think the world would want God? We have to understand, as I, these final points, as I review what we've looked at, I said, if you live emotionally, you will have shame for reproachful living. Number two, you'll have shame for hurtful actions. Number three, you will refuse God's actions which will result in harsher punishment. Number four, there will be a generational curse that will affect your kids of judgment for idolatry. You'll rebel against the Lord and his leaders. A leader that falls, if he falls into lust, he will be judged. There will be a loss of God's promised reward. There will be a loss of God's protection upon you and others. There will be God's curses on others for your sins. And you may very well seek to destroy godly opponents. My friend, it's a hard road to live in obstinance to God. I need to live in obedience to what God says. You must love God by your obedience. Or you will fear His true and perfect justice. And I'm not doing this to somehow evoke in us this quaking fear of God, no, I had to run into His arms and say, Father, Daddy, I'll do whatever you want because I just want to please you. It is a wonderful thing to be a child of God. It's a wonderful thing when the bottom falls out in your life and you're saying, God, I don't know where to turn. And you're there on your knees or on your face and you're crying out to God and I've had that. And then in his sweet embrace. He comforts me. As I look in the Psalms and I'm reading, I'm saying, God, I'm empty. I'm broken. I don't know where to go. And he gives me the verses and I say, oh, my Lord, you're too good. The commands of God, it shows I love him. And may we as believers say, God, I love you. I don't want to do anything to hurt you. You are the true God. If I was, I hope nothing what I said was, in the way I delivered it, was rude. I don't intend to at you all. Know, forgive me if I did, but the truths that I gave, I will not apologize because it's God's Word. We've got to stop saying, well, I, I, that works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Let's say what God says because if I don't do what God says there's consequences. I can have Mrs. Pat come forward and we'll have a time of invitation. Friend, know this that I do love you. I love this church. I love this community. I want to be used of God. Not me. I want God to be seen. I want people to see how good He is. But if I can't obey and show I love Him as a first step of obedience, then I'm denying others the very path to the healing that they need. The first thing to healing that you need is you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You will die and go to a hell forever if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And Jesus came to die and give that gift freely. Nothing you need to do. No good works. You don't need to reform yourself. You just need to simply call out to Jesus, realizing your sins. Put Him on that cross and in simple faith ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. And my friend, He'll forgive you. And if you know that you're safe, friend, if there's something in your life that is not right, how about you just say, God? And sometimes you might say, well, it's a pretty sticky situation. Then you ask God for wisdom. Maybe you reach out and say, I need some help. Whatever the case, whatever the scenario, if there's anything in your heart this morning you need to make right, I trust. You would say, God, I'm willing to follow. As the music plays, would you do business with me?